Listener Production. KickPod acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast. The Yolukut Wollum clan of the Boonwurrung, who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the KickPod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. One, two, three, four. Hello. Hello, Lucy. Hello. So the funniest thing just happened to us as we were walking to the building. Mm, I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> so right before we got here, we are in the lobby mm-hmm. of this very lovely building that we record in, very fancy elevator area, and we were talking about your sex challenge, mm. which it has now been labelled by the media, which is quite hilarious. I feel bad oh, because hilarious. I, I'm not a part of it and I'm <laughs> laughing at you. Anyway, you were talking about it and then there were these two lovely um, ladies yeah. standing near us and they were kind of giggling. And yeah. then they were like, oh, we, we saw the video on TikTok this morning. I know, and I was then, mortified. I was like, so cool. Was, so everyone <laughs> in this elevator knows about my sex life. So everyone's looking at you now as like, oh, that's the sex girl that does that. <laughs> which is so not me. That is not me. But it's so hilarious so thank you for opening up your sex life to us for (laughs) our enjoyment and now because I'm very aware of when people recognize you which is they always recognize you about okay they don't always recognize me 90% of people that walk past you and I'm always walking a tiny bit past you so I see them and I'm like yeah it is (laughs) anyway but now it's not just going to be like oh it's Steph Glassman that's like she's a sex girl it's Steph Glassman and she's a sex girl (laughs) (laughs) Well. Anyway, so we would love to get an update from you when the sex challenge is over. No I would never stop asking you. I know. I knew this is why I waited to tell you. But sure, moving on, moving on, because we've got a really special episode ahead of us. Look, I'm so excited about this chat with Will coming up, and we, but we both are. It's it's such a goodie, and so you know, our intro today is going to be a little bit shorter because there's just so much that we wanted to. Wanted you guys to get out of this podcast, and we spoke. We spoke for a long, a long time. time. So that, let's just make the intro a little bit smaller, yeah. so then the podcast doesn't go for three hours. Totally. Um, but one thing I did want to touch on before we get into it, Lords, I wonder if you ever feel that when you when you meet someone like Will, right, who we don't know super well, and in fact, I don't think I'd ever met him in person before. It was always like over the phone or over a Zoom conversation. But when someone opens up to you the way that he does in this chat. There's some really close bonding that happens through that or like like-minded things that come up that you can then, I don't know, trust them with a whole bunch. And I don't know if that's something that you've found that you kind of gravitate towards in your life, but it even reminds me of like when I was going through struggles with eating and everything years back, someone that I reached out to for, for help and support, it wasn't someone that was really close to me in my life, but it was someone who... I just felt like I could trust and talk really openly with and just know that they'd either be able to relate or help me in some way. That was Christian, a a trainer, years ago for me. And it was funny because after the chat with Will, there was so much that came up for me in that chat with him that I didn't open up about like too much in the chat because I wanted to like give him a lot of space, but I just felt the need to reach out to him afterwards and talk to him. And like now I think I'm going to go get a coffee with him. Like there's just so much I want to share because he was just so open and amazing. Do you get that? Do you feel that? Well, I think, I I mean, it's it's interesting because when you do the podcast, you have very deep, but when we do it, we have very deep conversations Mm. with people and then it's like, okay, bye. And like you, you haven't met, like I'd never spoken to Will before. And then you have this like hour and a half or whatever it might be conversation. And then you're like, uh, like we just like opened (laughs) up our our entire insides. And now it's like, Okay, we'll let you know when it's live, you yeah. know? So, yes, I and I actually also, we both messaged Will <laughs> afterwards. And <laughs> He's probably thinking, Jesus, this is am a I really yeah. bizarre. <laughs> this two women just reaching out to me. Wow, really. In a anyway, non creepy way. Just made a great way. impact on us, Will, if you're listening. Yes. Is that too much to think that he'll listen to his own episode? I don't know. I I'm not sure. sure. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Anyway, let's share this chat that we are talking about. Uh, so Will McMahon is the host of National Drive Show, Will and Woody. Mm. On the podcast today, we had a very, very special and very open chat mm. about mental health. So we did want to put a trigger warning on this episode. 
there are mentions of suicide. So if that is something that is triggering for you, we would recommend skipping this episode. And if you do need support, Lifeline is available on 131114. It, it starts in a hectic way. I was going to say, the next I was crying. Morning before yeah, this I was intro. crying, but of laughter because Steph asked Will how to pronounce his surname. I was being which nice. I, it's McMahon. Okay. Okay. Well, I know that now because I asked him, right? <laughs> anyway, I thought it was so funny that I started crying and I couldn't stop crying for five minutes. So sorry that the starting is very hectic, but we hope you enjoy this episode. I don't want to butcher your partner? last name. McMahon. What? McMahon. What is that? Sorry. I, what were you going to say? I don't know. Sorry. That is the easiest surname. To, oh, fuck off. <laughs> what if I said it wrong? I forgot your surname because I was like, well, it can't be McMahon because that's... <laughs> I thought it was, but Still I didn't think it was wrong. Oh, my God. Uh, so, no, what are the options there? You could there? also say McMahon. 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 It's Will McMahon for everyone playing at home, by the way. <laughs> All right, breathe, guys. Let's let's get I think into that it. We've done the intro though, like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's done. yeah. Don't worry about what you've <laughs> said. You know, your successes or anything. I haven't got any. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Certainly okay. none that I could be named for. Oh my gosh, no, no doubt. Everyone listening in actually knows who you are, Will. I don't from. know if they do, well, but thank you. It's very kind of you. <laughs> Will and Woody, and you've also recently been on Channel 9 Celebrity Apprentice. I was. Thanks, no, thanks for having me on. I'm actually really, really excited to be here. I Good. really, really am. I, as I, I've been thinking about it all week because I, I don't normally get a chance to talk about um, this sort of stuff, but it's something that I really want to talk about more. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And we just wanted to say as well, congratulations on becoming a dad. Thank you. Thank just you very much. Just had to slide that in at the start. Yeah. How are you going? Yeah, really well. I, I, um, it's, it's like every conversation I have with people who have got kids, you try and put words on it, and mm. then you, you fail. <laughs> like the words just fall short. Yeah. Uh, so I have had this really interesting. <laughs> it's a bit of a long, long answer, but it's it's probably worth explaining because I think a lot of people would have been through this. So we interviewed Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. about six months ago. Did Insane. you? Insane. Yeah, he's pretty. Big. He's big. Well, don't be, don't a, be surprised. I know, <laughs> he's been on so many movies. Yeah, he's a big deal. He's got his own book. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you killed the interview. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I want to die inside right now. Okay. No. I did. Continue. I, I killed it. Sorry, but I didn't us. really. So we had this um, uh, moment during the interview where he said he had kids. And then Woody instantly was like, oh my God, Will's about to have a baby. And then he animated immediately and he sort of leaned into the microphone and he was like, um, firstborn. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Sorry, what? what? He goes, firstborn. Like, firstborn. Like, as in, that's your first kid. Oh, like, question yeah. if it's the first, first one. <laughs> that's how he talks. He's just kind of like, he's just out of the box, like, holds his pinky out like a Texan. He's like, firstborn. And I was like, um, yeah. And he was like, all right, here's what you got to do. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm about to get lectured by Matthew McConaughey on how to have children. And he said, you got to dub down. And then got triple down on your instinct. And I was like, what? And he was like, when you have kids, never get more clarity in your life. And I was like, okay. So, <laughs> so he had kids and he, he said, as soon as you have kids, you, you can sort of feel things more instinctively. It yeah. sort of like gives you a whole, like, like almost like a higher purpose. And it's so funny, since having the baby, I've been looking to like double down and... <laughs> Have that triple down on, on my instinct <laughs> until I had this moment the other day where I I'm normally very active on the weekend. I like going to gigs. I like doing things. I'm very proactive. I do a lot of writing. And I had this moment where I was at my desk and I'm in the middle of writing a novel. So I'm just like flat chat trying to put the ideas down. And I was halfway through and I felt this real hole in myself. And I, I, I was like, I think I just really want to be with my daughter. Oh. Yeah. And I just kind of like, I just stopped and I'm such a workaholic. It's a really hard thing for me to do. And I just went inside and I, was, I just said to Sam, I was like, can I take Max for a couple of hours? And she was like, of course. And, and then I kind of just felt whole again really quickly. And, and I realized that's what he was talking about. Yeah. And, and since that moment, it, it's really simplified things for me. Instincts, you don't need to think about your instincts. Your instincts are your instincts because they're natural things that occur to you. Just listen to them. And they're so much more loud when you have a child mm, as soon I as agree. you listen. Mm. Um, so that's a very long answer, including Matthew McConaughey, to how life is as a dad. I love it. No, it's so nice and it's so honest and I can relate. It's um, it's crazy the amount of clarity that comes from 
having a kid mm. in, in what mm. you want to spend your time on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was something that I used to agonize over. Mm. You know, should I be writing? Should I, ma- should I be making music at the moment? Um, maybe I'm not seeing my family enough. Maybe I'm not, you know, am I being a good enough partner? Geez, I haven't been out in a while. Yeah, am I exercising enough? You know, like the list just grows. And then there's just like this, a child's like a dissolving agent. Mm-hmm. You kind of just like all the stuff sort of falls away and it makes it very simple what you want to do. So with you being a very big high achiever, yeah, yeah. I, I heard Yuck. you talk about how you got the lowest score in your family oh, in geez. year 12. Yeah, this gets… This but you got 99.2. Yeah, I did, yeah. So you're from a very high achieving family from academic yep. standards. yeah. What I've found so interesting, and but we wanted also to say the biggest thank you for coming on and being open to speaking about mental health today. Oh, sure, because sure, I sure, think sure. it's something that's, well, at first it's really hard to talk about, but it's yeah. so important because so many people have mental health struggles. Yeah. And so I, I hope it's okay to start with yeah, you. Yeah. What, what I find in, in listening to you and, and all of the stuff that you've released about your mental health struggles, mm. you're so successful. And you, you know, as you just touched on, you want to, you're writing a novel. Amazing. Yeah. And, you know, you're also, you've got your radio show. You, you do so much. Mm-hmm. You did law and then you, you, there's just so much I stuff that, yeah, that, you, that you've lot, done yeah. that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but while you've been, I suppose, going through this, this mental health struggle and, yeah. and working through depression. Yeah, yeah. How have you been able to keep going? Because I think the hardest thing with, you know, feeling sad and down mm. is that, it often affects motivation, mm-hmm. but you have had so much success mm. for so long. Mm. Okay, yeah. They're, they're, um, so I think it's funny, like you said a few times there, you're so successful, um, which thank you. It's very kind of you. Um, and I, yeah, I'm from a very high achieving family and I, I set very high standards for myself. Um, and it's so funny because I think the same thing about you guys. And I feel like you probably will have experienced a similar sensation Mm -hmm. that I call the striver's curse, (laughs) where for whatever reason it is, for me, it was, yeah, maybe a a, a solid dose of the family I was in and how successful they were and the school I went to and a few other things. I was imbued with this idea that in order to be happy or in order to be fulfilled, in order to be respected, I had to achieve. and so, you know, oftentimes when I look at really clever people or things that people that do really well, in the past, I used to think, oh, you know, they've got it all. Weirdly, now I almost kind of feel sorry for them because mm-hmm. I, I know how addictive it is and I know how much of a trap it is. Mm. And it's a societal um, structure that in order to be happy, you work hard. It's a very old idea, but it's 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 something that we're really conditioned to to feel. And I know certainly that's how I, it was taught to me. Mm. This I wasn't taught any other way. Mm. You want to be happy if you want to be fulfilled, you want to be successful, work your ass off and get good. And I, I don't want to say that's a bad ideology because if you want to achieve something, that's a, that's a really, really mm. great thing to have. But I think if you're going to teach that to mm. kids, you need to also teach them that there are alternatives. Mm. I reckon it was probably after school where I got to uni and I, yeah, I was doing law and um, yeah, I did really well at school and all of a sudden I could sort of see options. Like it's, you start rubbing shoulders with people at uni where you're like, oh, you didn't work your fucking ass off and you're still here and what, you party on the weekend and like you, you guys have got lives. Mm. And that, I think, started to show me that there was another way to sort of exist, which mm. ironically started making me feel really depressed because it started to show me that the way that I was living, and I think in like coaching terminology, they call it burnout. Mm-hmm. My method of approaching life was running out of steam. I've been doing it for, you know, however long. So let's say that's probably 13 years, like through high school, really. Mm. And that's when this sort of stuff is like, that's, you know, and you meet kids in year seven and it's just like they're falling over themselves for homework and like it's so intense. Like that was me. Mm. And it just starts to fall apart. You, you cannot sustain that mm. way of living for too mm. long. Yeah, I used to get like migraines at uni and stuff like that because the stress of it would sort of like build up on me. And then luckily I just, 
I, yeah, I mean, I met Woody doing. I actually lost a bet with someone at uni because they a very good friend of mine because she was like, "You're not happy." And I used to do drama at school. I used to love doing drama, and so she made me audition for this thing called the Monash Comedy Law Review, which is a comedy show at the Richmond Club Hotel. And so she was like, "Oh, if you lose the bet, you've got to go and audition." Uh, and I auditioned. And I got in, and I started meeting all these people and rubbing shoulders with them. And I was like, oh my God, you guys aren't like, this is just fucking fun. <laughs> like this is actually just fun and it's fun for the sake of fun. There's no expectation. There's no goal here. And it showed me that there was really this other way to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, ironically, it's probably when I started getting really depressed because mm-hmm. I started like… Comparing? Yeah. And every time I would go and have fun, mm-hmm. I would come back to this archaic, mm-hmm. all right, well, you know, the… Oh, maybe you don't. That's oh, right. I'm, I'm an academic wanker. Uh, the um, the myth of Sisyphus. Do you guys know who that guy is? Oh, so he's a um, he in Greek antiquity. He's this guy who gets condemned forever to push a rock up a hill in hell. So with his shoulder, he pushes this rock all the way to the top of the hill, and then he gets the rock to the top of the hill, and then the rock drops all the way down to the bottom. And then he has to walk all the way back down to the bottom and push the rock up. And that's his punishment for eternity. Oh, God. Yeah. And that, that is how I often say high achievers. Mm. And it's funny, actually. I, this is a really bit tangent. But I remember reading this article on the myth of Sisyphus and how the traditional interpretation is that it's he's this hard worker. But the whole piece was on loving the rock that you push mm. and how it's not about the fact that we're all pushing mm. a rock. But it's about how you approach mm. how you push the rock. Mm. And the mm. whole piece, I think it's a poem. It's about how much Sisyphus loves the rock. He loves the shape of it. He loves how it feels against his shoulder versus I've just got to get the rock to the top. I know? love that. And I, I think for me, this school, I relate to so much of what you're just saying. Like yeah. I was just thinking, um, I'll probably get, I don't know why I should all but this actual tears before laughing. Yeah, that's right. I remember when I was sitting, um, I finished my law degree two two years ago, but I graduated at the Congrats. end of last year, thanks. And I did it while I was working full time and it wasn't yeah. my focus and I'm not going to be a lawyer because I'd be a horrible lawyer. Same. But I remember sitting there in my graduation knowing that my degree for me was really, it has helped me a lot through yeah. with kick, right? Yeah. And But really, in the end, it was me trying to prove something to myself that I could do it, probably, yeah. if I really asked myself deep down why I did it. My marks didn't matter mm-hmm. because I'm never going to use them in no. my life. Like, I'm not, I wasn't using it to apply for a job because I have a job. I just wanted to finish it. And I remember sitting there in my graduation and some people graduated with honours. Mm. And I remember thinking, like, mm. God, I haven't done enough, no, have yeah, I? Yeah, you didn't get there. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I... Works through it, but in that moment, mm. I took everything away from myself. Mm, yeah. Like the fact that I'd put myself through, it took me like literally nine years to finish. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. And I'm not naturally smart. I have to work really hard. Yeah. And I just, I was so mad at myself. Mm. And I think it's just something that for me, the school system suited me so well mm. because it's like I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. And you, the teachers say, you need yeah. to do this and you do it. And then yeah. you get a good mark. And then you get right? rewarded for it. Get you rewarded. get a pat on the back. Exactly you get right. that dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, nice one. Mm. Did well. And they talk about you at assembly. Oh, God. It's like when your yoga teacher mentions you in class, right? You're like, God, that fucking feels good. bang. Yeah. Nice, Will. <laughs> Huge. And you look around, you're like, get that, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. And then, yeah. like, you know, you at my school, they the, the people that got the, the top 10 ATARs, like, stood yeah. in front of the school. And yeah. I remember standing there being like, yeah, yeah like, taste. this is… This is it. But it's like you then go into the real world and it's like mm. that… Stuff doesn't really matter, mm. you know. And you not only does it not matter; it's it's unsustainable. It, yes. actually, it actually cannot exist mm. more than momentarily. That mm-hmm. satisfaction, because then it goes, goes, and then you're like, yeah. okay, what's what's, what's the next? What's thing? the next one? And yeah. so, yeah. what I find now, and I really struggle with, is obviously we have a, a bit on with you know what we're doing and yeah. running the business and everything. And bit on. <laughs> bit on for you, you know, too. It's, it's Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, and, but I yeah. think what's really hard is that it's like everything I do, I'm like, if I don't do it to 110%, I'm yeah. like, I've let Steph down. I've let the business down. Yeah, I've let the yeah. team down. Oh, God, yeah, God. And then I'm, I, everything I'm doing, Shocking like I'll do feeling. a podcast interview and yeah. I'll listen to it and I'll literally write a full list mm. of, okay, and I'll send it to our communications manager before she's been able to give some feedback. Mm. And she's like, okay. 
Mm, too much. And but it's like I I can't get past this. It's you just on this like mm. cycle, and it's a hundred percent unsustainable. Mm. Like a few weeks ago, I haven't spoken about this, but mm. um, on here. But a few weeks ago, I was driving home, and I started getting this like horrific stomach pain, mm. and I couldn't. It, I just it, it was so bad, and then I just started shaking, and my whole body was shaking, like my legs, my teeth, like from. T- and I'm driving, and I I got home, and I mm. got inside, and my husband was like, "What? Mm. He's had panic attacks before, so he was like, sit in the bed, like take he up, took my work clothes off, and and I, I could not stop shaking for 20 minutes, and I think it was my body telling me like, yeah. you are so stressed, yeah, like you're you so just need to. Strong. But you it's like getting out of it is so hard because it's. We have been conditioned mm. through, and I, I, I envy you so much, Seth, like with how you speak about school, because for you, you took, your approach to school is different to mine, right? You didn't let it define, you You got through it, but it, I, I feel like it didn't cement in your head how you need to live your life. No, no, I, I, I think earlier when you touched on being really driven and wanting to succeed and everything like mm. that, my drives come from a very, very different place. Mm. It wasn't because I've kind of always been that way. It was because, I mean, I was I was very fortunate. My mum and dad, the biggest message for me and my brother was to just whatever we were interested in, chase it. Mm-hmm. Whatever was going to make us happy, they were proud of us for. So I, I am super grateful for that. But my drive has always come from the interests that I had in high school, for example, modelling was always put down and mm. I was ridiculed for it. Mm. I was called vain and cocky yep. and that it was going to be a dead-end <laughs> job and it wasn't going to go anywhere and that I needed to have a backup. And I think from finishing high school, I've just had this like hunger to just prove that there's another way mm. to success mm. than like getting a good score, getting mm. into uni, doing like study and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. And so it's really important to me that those options are shown. Mm. So it's really interesting hearing you Talk and so there's so much about your story that you shared that I know from Laura's. Yeah, you can, you can, you, you see it on a Striver. As soon as I walked in, I was like, "Bang, Striver, we've got one, we've got a live one." <laughs> you, see, you, you see it on them. You, you know the pain. You, it's, it's like it's as I said. It's really. I, I'm so jealous of you. Like I really am. I've got friends like that, and I just marvel at them because it's, it's such so much more healthy. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that… Of course, it's got um, its pitfalls in whatever that is. 100%. Of course, every, every model does. The ironic thing about strivers is that you get to this point where you're at breaking point and you're so highly strung. And so you go back to instinctively what you think is going to make you happy, which hilariously is work harder, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all you've got in your playbook. That's all you've got. So you go, I go back. to books, but like learning books. Yeah, you like all like what with else? a highlighter. <laughs> yep. How else can I? Yeah, I borrowed, else... I borrowed a book of hers once, and there's fifty do- <laughs> there's fifty doggy ear tags. On yeah. <laughs> so it's like, how else can I make myself better? I know, work harder. Yeah, and that's hilarious. And then and then you get to your, your full breakdowns, which is that's that's where it starts getting gnarly. For me, that was suicide. For me, that was where I started getting because I was like. I don't have another mode of living. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know what else to do. So that was the only way out. Uh, yeah, yeah. There was a couple of points when I was living in Perth um, with Woody, where yeah, vivid memories of like sitting in my kitchen. I don't think I ever got to the point where I was like self harming, but I remember like looking at a stack of knives and trying to think about which one was going to be like quickest and sharpest and yuck, like mm. really gnarly. Um, and I was very lucky that I had Woody in that instance um, because he, yeah, he didn't get it, which is really funny. And that kind of lifted me out of it was this like idea of like this person pathetically trying to understand me but couldn't, but just with like just an unbounded sort of like wave of love for me. and. That was kind of typified on this day when I was so flat. And I, I think I just walked out of the studio in Perth and I got home and I was sitting on my bed. And um, Woody came over. And, you know, he, Woody's incredibly plucky. He's got this like, like boundless enthusiasm. He's just fully on all the time. And he sort of came in the bedroom and he sat on the floor and he's looking at me and he's like, oh, mate, you know what? Like, I couldn't get off the bed. I could not get off my bed. And he came in, he's down the floor and he's like, mate, you know what? I get it. And I was like, 
wow, okay. And he goes, one day when I was at school, um, I had this pimple on my butt. <laughs> and um, like, mate, I just, I, he's like, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't go to school. I just couldn't go. So painful to sit down, and I was just like, I remember just. Did that put it into perspective exactly. to you? Is that what it was exactly? Like? I was remember like, I was like, just I was crying, and I was like, laugh crying. I was like, that's just the most beautiful gesture. Like I've got, <laughs> like, guy who has no idea what I'm going through over here. He's just it's throwing really... himself at me. Was it infected at least? No, <laughs> you don't say. Like I hope it was a cyst. Yeah, really. it was. It was. He said he was in. He was in tough, tough spot. <laughs> So when I am at breaking point, when I get to that level, the only thing I know how to do is to put the accelerator down harder, right? But the thing that I've learned to do is to go the opposite direction. And for me at that time, that moment with Woody, and even now, now I know when I'm at breaking point, I need to, I learned you can't continue to grind the axe. You can't continue to push the rock. You actually, you're, you're out. You are maxed out. So what can you do? Mm. Go and pick up your daughter. Go and what if you don't have a daughter? Go and book what a movie. Your dog? <laughs> go, go, I'll no, go to Steph's house. Go, and, go, go and book a movie and go and book a movie and go and like you just have to sit there for two mm. and a half hours in the darkness. Mm. At the end of the year, every year I go away and walk by myself for a week and I take nothing because I've got so much built up. And for the first two or three days, I pretty much just cry. <laughs> I just look at like rocks. <laughs> I just cry. Like people at other campsites come and like, hey man. Because <laughs> there's such a huge release because I'm holding on to things the other way. And hopefully I'm, I'm getting a little bit better than that. I mean, the last one, I didn't cry the whole time, but like maybe the first day or two. But it, it's funny that I need those mechanisms in place I, I have to, otherwise I just I just fall apart. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Woody because yep. something I wanted to talk to you about, obviously can relate, working with your best mate. Yeah. Um, and Laws and I are very open with one another when we're going through different things and mm. struggles or yeah. yeah. You have to be, right? Like yeah. you just you so you're shoulder work. to shoulder, mm. like you don't you don't stand a chance otherwise. hundred percent. Yeah. But I'd love to talk to you about how you navigated that, particularly as you mentioned that Woody couldn't couldn't relate and maybe mm. he still can't. Mm. Um, but how you got to a point where you could be so open with him and he could understand as far as he can and could. Yeah. I think to help people, if they feel like they might know someone, whether it's their partner or someone they work yeah. with, that might be going through something to allow those kind of conversations to start. Because I feel like yeah. it's one of those things. And I still do it to this day. Like, Whilst we're open, there's still times where I yeah. try and squash it for like at least a week yeah. and think and then, that I don't need to bring it up. But yeah. then I'm like… She knows. She knows. She knows. <laughs> she knows. You, know, you know so quickly as well. Yeah. It's so funny. You yeah. know when you're like, you're late, like well, Woody and I, if we leave the studio and there's a fly in the ointment. Yeah, 100%. We're like, we're like, it's a weird goodbye and then we both get on our bikes and then I get home and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I just gotta call him. <laughs> And I call him and I'm like, hey, mate. He's like, hey, bro. Yeah, look, I've been meaning to call you. Um, you know that thing? And, you know, it's like, that's like clockwork for us now. 100%. Um, but, you, yeah, that takes time. Getting yeah. that level of transparency. Yeah. I think the word vulnerability gets thrown around a lot these days. Mm. Um, and I'm really not going to try and encompass it in all the various different vicissitudes that it, that it exists in these days. But in a very simple sense, being vulnerable with the person that you're one-on-one with is just the key to any sense of strength in the relationship. I mean, it's the same as with your partner, but like with you. And, and I think that that takes courage. Like a lot of the time, it takes a lot of courage. And, and often it takes courage in ways that you don't expect, mm. I think. Like you think that we think about the word courage in a relationship as the person who's sort of willing to, um, you know, sort of grab the relationship and carry it onto the battlefront, you know, like it's quite stoic, that sense of courage. I feel like there's a poem I like by a guy called David White called Start Close In, and it's about having courage to start with the closest step to you, which is often the step that you least want to take. So 
in that in a relationship in a being vulnerable sense that means hey I'm actually really scared about this mm. or like I'm really worried about this happening or even I'm I'm jealous of you like they're the ones mm. that sort of fester over time those really uncomfortable feelings that it's not cool to admit mm. but then when you do like it's just so good because the other person loves you <laughs> and they're like it just makes it really nice because you don't feel like you need to be something that you're not around them. So mm. I think the good thing, and I, I don't want to say it's good, but one of the good things about being depressed is that like my guard was just totally down. Mm. I didn't have I didn't have a guard left. Like I was, you know, I was really totally wrecked. So we got to accelerate to that point really quickly because mm. I just couldn't, I just couldn't do the whole I'm perfect, I'm good to go thing anymore. And that was amplified through doing the radio show mm. because like I'd be on the floor crying during like Kesha songs. Largely For many reasons. <laughs> TikTok? <laughs> I'd be lying there. I'd be on the floor. I'd just have to sit down and just like cry and then I've got to mm. get up and do the radio show again. So purely through the nature of the job, I had to be on show and then I couldn't be on show. Mm. So he got to see me sort of like warts and all which, as I said, accelerated things. But I, I, I knew you were going to ask me about the partner thing because I, I often get lots of people who ask me about how to deal with partners, mm. particularly men when they're mm. Um, mm. depressed. And I, so all my evidence and all my practice is purely anecdotal. But I wrote a little acronym about how I reckon you might be able to do it. And I, I'm really only working with myself, but it's, I get a, a lot from like my chick mates as well. And like when their partners are away, they talk to me. They're like, oh, how would you? And I, yeah, I sort of tried to crystallize it so I didn't talk too much, although I've probably already done that. Anyway, so um, the acronym is SOFT, S-O-F-T, because one of the things I often say to people is that the strength when dealing with mental illness or someone else's mental health in particular is through the softness rather than strength through strength. <laughs> but yeah, soft. So the first one is shitty. <laughs> uh, and that's because most men, and this is something that I don't think a lot of people know, they, their mental health, poor mental health will manifest as being a bit of a dick. Mm. Often my partner describes me as like, being really like it's like I'm hungover mm. everything irritates me I'm never satisfied things get on my nerves really quickly mm. so that's a really good first indicator is if they're shitty I mean obviously if they're just being a massive dick then like that's <laughs> totally different maybe they're an asshole maybe you shouldn't be with them um, but if they're shitty like just that really irritable sort of like and you can't really figure out what's going on and they can't figure out what's going on that might be a good fake so shitty is S the second one is O open and this is the hard, this is probably the hardest one in, in the soft acronym because when your partner is shitty, particularly when you've got like built up conditional behavior with each other, it's very easy to react. Mm. And when someone is shitty, that's kind of what they want. Like they want you to be the friction with the road. They want you to be like, all right, so if I'm shitty, you're reacting, great, I can get angry at you. Mm. And there's my outlet. And that off, that's often what happens is you go like, you know, you're depressed, you're irritable, someone pisses you off, right, well, it's their fucking fault. And then you just launch and then you're angry. And that's a nice let out, but it's not addressing the issue. So if you know that they're shitty, as much as you can, and it's really hard, I know, try and stay open with them and try not to give them the thing to bounce off. So try not to give them that, that thing that they can retaliate with. Mm. Just step back. Well, it's okay. What do you need? What do you want? Can I help here? That I don't know. I don't know. It's really, really harsh. Um, the next one is F, friend you can ask. And again, I, I, it depends on your relationship and the level of transparency you have. But I, I think a lot of guys really struggle being vulnerable with their partner, particularly if it is a woman, because then you're showing them that you're not a man. And that's a really weird archaic thing but it's very well drilled in and it's very hard to let go of um, and if so if you don't feel like you can have that conversation with them use their mates like you know if blokes are meant to be really good you know we're such you know so matey with each other 
task another man with that chat and let them figure it out in their way. Because often if you reach and you probe, again, particularly if you're a woman, as a guy, you go, oh, well, I can't show you that because then I'm going to lose my manliness, I'm going to lose my sexiness, I'm going to lose what makes me, you know, the macho part of the relationship. So is there a friend you can ask? Is there someone you can ask? That's the F. And the final one I've written here is therapy. Now, I put that there because like, I know that feels like, you know, therapy, death con three, you know, we've got a real issue here sort of thing. You're not going to be able to walk up to a guy often and go, you need to go to therapy. <laughs> it's not going to work. But what I would recommend, which I actually, I actually had done with me, my partner Sam did this to me a little while ago because I was pretty adamant about the fact that everything was cool, but it wasn't. Um, what she did was she was like, well, can we go to couples therapy? Because I think we've got an issue between us, which was very savvy. Wily bitch. She got me in there. And I was like, couples therapy? Yeah, fine. Because then there's something wrong with us. Mm. You know, it's not me. Mm. It's us. And she had to lead it. And I, because it's couples therapy, I got to go. Yeah, yeah. So I got dragged there. And it was really funny how quickly it was like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe I have got something going on. But then I'm in, but then I'm in the therapy groove. Mm. So maybe that might be a nice little, um, little tool for people who are struggling with their partners who have got issues. Stay soft, S-O-F-T. Shitty, open, friends, therapy. Thank you for sharing that. Pleasure. It's, I think it'll help help so many people because I think it's just so hard, especially for, I mean, obviously mental health has stigma around it anyway, but then yeah. for men, it's even worse because it is this pressure to be this, like, if you're in, what are these called? Commas? Commas? Quotation marks? Inverted commas. Inverted, inverted commas. Inverted commas. Weak if yeah, you're not... Yeah, yeah inverted commas, strong. Yeah, yeah. And that pressure must be so overwhelming. I wanted to ask as well, with what you touched on before, with, you know, being on the floor in tears and then having to show up yes. to your job. Because yes. I think yes. what I also find really inspiring in your life is that you show up every day mm. and you don't just show up to, you know, a job where you can work from home and you don't have to talk to anyone and you can just be on your laptop, you know, doing work. Mm. You have to show up and be the best version and funniest version of yourself yeah. for two hours yeah. every single day. Yeah. And because it's, I know you can be like subbed in and, you know, mm. but six days don't really work the same, I would say, in what you do, no, right? No, no, yeah. yeah. So yeah. How, how do you do it? Uh, um, so. I'm I'm very open about it. Mm. I'm very, very open about it. And I was very lucky. So a couple of years ago, Woody and I released an app called Share My Mood, which is like a way to share with other people in your life without speaking to them how you were going because the talking thing was the really hard thing. Mm. And Share My Mood, so when you get Share My Mood, it takes three clicks. It just goes, how are you going? And then it, it, it fills the text message for you and just uses your phone contact. So you kind of can tell who you want to tell in like three clicks without thinking about it too much because mm. it's really confronting. Mm. And even thinking of the words is really hard. And the app is modeled off the approach that we adopted when I was… Because we, we were sort of in a position where we were going to have to quit because it was because like, I couldn't do what I was doing. So with my producer at the time, Tia and Woody, we… We basically, we had a little WhatsApp thread and I would just message them and I would wake up and I, and it was, the first job was on me. It was like checking with yourself and it was really handy. My partner, Sam, was really good as well. She would be like, she would often be like, mm, might want to message the guys today. Because sometimes you don't know. Mm. That's the other thing about it. You just don't know. Like as I said before, you know, they might be a bit shitty or whatever. People that know you really well. I know often with people with um, bipolar, it's their partners who can tell when they're about to peak. So they'll like the night, mm. and, and it's catching it early with bipolar. So they'll be like, yo, take lithium tonight. And that'll be just like a bit of a sixth sense. So mm. with depression, it was the same thing. I, I would wake up, I'd be like, yeah, I'm pretty good, pretty good. And it was obviously something I was doing or whatever. And Sim would be like, yo, or I would, I meditate every morning. So it would often be in a meditation that I'd be like, ah, I didn't see that when I was running around doing my everyday life. But now stopping for a second, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So I would send a message at the start of the day and I would just say, whatever it was, depressed, not sure about today, whatever it was. 
And this is, when you said, how do I do it? I know it seems really basic, but that released me because there's only one thing worse than being depressed and that's being depressed and acting like you're not. Mm. Just another, (laughs) that's just a whole other thing that you're piling onto Mm. yourself. And that makes it so much worse. You're lying. Mm. Uh, Stephen Fry, who's got bipolar, says, um, when you're depressed, it's raining outside. So the worst thing you can do is go outside because you're going to get fucking wet. Mm. Like, it's so simple. You know, like, if you're depressed, like, it, it's happening. There's no, there's no amount of, like, mm. pluckiness or energy drinks or whatever it is that's going to get you to. That's, that's going on. That is running. That, heart, that software is running on your brain. So just give yourself the best chance of survival. And that is give it to everyone else. There was a the podcast in the lead up to Share My Mood, which was also called Share My Mood, which I released, which one, the final message that I kind of landed on was give your friends the cape. Like, let them be your heroes. Let them be your hero. Give your friends the opportunity to look after you. Give your work colleagues the opportunity to look after you. And I know it seems like a big step, but like people love that. People love looking after other people. It's such a nice feeling when it's like, hey, I'm not doing well today. Um, sorry if I'm not. It's like, oh, honey, I've got this. You know? And so I, true. And I'm such a control freak. Like I love, I love getting my hands on everything and being involved in everything. It's, I think it's quite relieving for people. Mm. And they're like, when I message and I'm like, yo, I, I can't do it all today. Everyone's like, fucking sick. <laughs> Step aside. <laughs> you know? And, and, and yeah, that, that's a hard thing to sort of surrender to that fall that was the secret. The other thing I would say is when you say, look, I've got to be on, I also realized that that idea was just an idea. I don't always don't have, to have to be, be on. on. I know. I was thinking that when you were saying that. I was like, of, of course, that comes out of your mouth. Yeah. That's the way that you're wired as well. It's like yeah. that, you, if you were in his position, you would be thinking that. Yeah. But it was funny because as you were saying that, I was like, he doesn't. But like, yeah, but, but that's but just because I'm putting I'm, pressure on you. No, my, no, my own question. No, no, but it's because Strivers curse. Mind, it is. It is <laughs> projecting. Take the pressure from me. But you didn't flinch because that's yeah. the way you think too. Well, I did. hundred percent. Yeah. I used to think that. Yeah. So, and that, and that was that was you know as I was saying before. I mean, that's why I get depressed is mm. because that side mm. of me takes hold. My it's a, it's a full limbic takeover. Mm. It's just like there's no other way to live. This is the only way to be happy. And if you don't do this, you're going to be suffering. You're not going to make enough money. You're going to be miserable and you're going to be not respected and everyone's going to hate you. Like that's pretty much where it goes. Mm. That's, that's, the, that's the fall mm. off the cliff. Mm. Mm. And I actually had a really, I remember I had a really good chat early on with um, Christian O'Connell. He was like the number one show in London for 10 years. So like, you know, when I, this guy talks to you about radio, you're like, all right, I'm listening. He, he said to me, actually, he was like, when you go on air, you can either be, you can be genuine or you can be funny. Sure. But you can't always be funny. Mm. But you can be genuine. And people can never take that away from you. There's nothing worse than someone trying to be funny when they're, they're not feeling it. Mm. Mm. Like, but there's something beautiful about someone going, I'm not feeling funny, mm. but here's how I'm actually going. Mm. It's just like, just drop the curtain. There's no need for the show. And so on those days when I was feeling crap, like I, I kind of just, I, like I didn't have a choice. Like I kind of just had to relax into the fact that I wasn't going to be, I don't see myself as funny anyway. I don't see myself as a comedian. So it was quite, it was actually quite relaxing. Mm. So to get up and just like, oh, I'm just going to be myself for a sec here. Um, I, I, I love that. I'm so, going to take all of that. So sometimes I actually messaged my boss one day and I was like, I'm thinking about doing like a depressed show. <laughs> so like I'd rock up and I'd just tell everyone I'm depressed. And, um, you know, I mean, it's not going to sound great, but because um, I'm like despondent on that particular day. And he messaged back. He's like, maybe we leave this on uh, for a couple of months. <laughs> not sure the audience is ready for the full depressed show. Just <laughs> but, it, but it is quite relieving. I think ultimately, if we go back to that whole striver's curse thing that we were talking about, for anyone that is a striver, and, and you're not like Steph with this. <laughs> Also, Steph God is very given, ambitious. God-given <laughs> war against the world to prove that models can be successful too and just kills. Outrageous. Just like looks down her nose at us over here. Oh my God, not <laughs> Idiots. at all. Scummy strivers. Um, anyway, so, so we're over here and the, the one thing I would say to anyone who is a striver is 
and I'm not going to tell you how to do this, but try and connect with something that is bigger than your small self and transcend. Whoa. <laughs> well, it, it, that's it, good. Thank you. Well, it's the only way out. Mm-hmm. It really is because your small sense of self is so heavily pronounced for a striver. It's everything that you hang your hat on. It's like when you're talking about standing in front of the school, your small sense of self is glowing, positively glowing. For your small sense of self, for your ego, um, when you're a striver, achievement is strawberries and cream. Mm. It's just like, wow, this is it. This is what it's all about. And that's so addictive. And it's really, really hard. And sadly, it often takes a breakdown to realize that that's not the only mode of fulfillment. And in fact, strawberries and cream is actually pretty bad for you if that's all you eat. <laughs> um, and so how, however you connect with something bigger than yourself, that for me is really the only way through it. And for me, that was through, that was through meditation. I, like, I, I totally fell in love with it. I had a moment where I was like, oh my God. But like my self-image is just an image that like my consciousness is far more expanded than that it was just this wash of relief. But for other people, that might be surfing or bushwalking or something where you're tapping out of your achievement mode. Kids, animals, whatever that is. Find that before it gets too late. Mine's running without, without yeah. tracking. Running without tracking is mine. Yeah. Because I feel like when I run on a beach track and I look out into the water and I'm like, I'm so small. Like yeah, it just, right. it seems like isn't a really bizarre. Feeling, isn't that the best feeling it is, in the world? And it's just, you know, God, especially so on days similar. where it's, it's, so, it's so similar. When the, like the water is so calm. Yeah. And I'm like, inside of me is like, I don't know Tiny. what's got the heck. Yeah. But I'm Tiny. so small. Tiny. And yeah. it's just like, look how peaceful the world is right now. Yeah. Like, I, why can't I just have some of that, you yeah. know? And it, it helps. It yeah. really, it really helps. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, there's this, so many great realizations. And one of the, mm. one of my other favorite things about meditation is that it's beyond your cognizant ability. Mm. So it's not something that your mind can jump in and understand, mm. which I'm so happy. Like, oh, it's such a relief. I always feel like it's like, it's meditation for my mind must be like, I must just like, you know, knock on his door in the morning and just like put a hammock up and be like, yo, just chill for five. <laughs> you don't have to understand what's going on here. Mm. We're, we're going to a different space. Um, which for someone like me who's so highly strung, it's just a really nice thing. And I think once you can sort of learn to integrate that into your life as well, it's just been huge for me. Mm. Like I, can, I can tap out, even like mid-radio show, and, I, and just tap out and just go, I actually… There's actually nothing that I can do here which is going to make all of the things happen which are going to happen by themselves anyway. I love it. I feel like we could talk to you for literally yeah, three really hours. Could. Same. Same. Well, thanks. It's okay. <laughs> well, imagine you're like, well, me, 40 <laughs> minutes, I'm tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could, I could definitely do the same. It's been so nice. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much for coming it's on. It's been a pleasure. For being so open and um, Sorry if I, to if not overuse the word vulnerable. That's okay, so um, this is, this, so you <laughs> came on our having you on. podcast <laughs> and you, we ne- if you didn't talk, that we would have yeah. had a really bad podcast. So we had a really good one. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been really, it's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Well, thank you so much to everyone for listening to that episode. We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did. I know I got so, so much out of it and we're so grateful for Will being so open and so generous with with his time and joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. It was a special one. One of my favourites, I will have to say. Before we go, Lawsy, do you have a special share? So my special share for this week is Purple Hearts on I've Netflix. Well, yeah, it is number one. It has been for like a week. <laughs> if you log into Netflix, it's likely it's just in your face there. Now, I have a very funny relationship with Netflix-made movies. Sometimes yeah. they are very corny and I… I love corny. Yeah, but, oh, you did like that to the boys I've loved or whatever that yeah. was called. That to me, I was like, I can't, this is too corny for me. Anyway, Purple Hearts is a beautiful, beautiful story. Mm about two people that get married because um, the woman in the show, she needs health insurance and the man is going to fight and be a part of the army. And so if they get together, he gets paid a little bit more and she gets her health 
insurance, but it goes from there. And it is just such a beautiful story. I've got a bit of the trailer here. Dear Luke, we fell in love so quickly. I figured I'd write you and fill in the gaps that we didn't have time to fill. If we do this, we have to make this look normal, like a real marriage. Act like we... Like we like each other. <laughs> like love each other. Sam, I'm calling you because your husband has been wounded in action. Yeah. I, I don't know why I even spoke. That, I should have just said listen yeah. to the trailer because it sells it all. That's her voice too. It really does sell it. That is her, it? It's very beautiful. It's it's just good. I feel emotional listening to that, so I highly recommend. Oh. Well, thank you, I'm fine. I'm going. <laughs> it's a nice emotion. I will I will watch that one. Yeah, it's you. Yeah. It's very you. Thank you. Well, my Thank special share. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Moving on. You sound like um, from uh, Monsters, Much. Inc. Oh. <gasps> Mike Wazowski. You sound like the lady. Yeah. What's her name? I'm always watching yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Back to you, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my special share this week is a brand new recipe on the Kick app. We are doing a collaboration with No Healthy Eats in the month of August where Every Sunday, our two new recipes are recipes of hers and her no-bake peanut butter and chalk slice. It's like right up my alley and it tastes so good. So if you're a fan of peanut butter and chocolate, it kind of takes me back to like a childhood snack, like an LCM bar or something. Laws, sorry, you'll have to use a different nut butter. Um, and I, can, I was going to say, if yeah. you're anaphylactic to peanuts like me mm. and they're not friendly for you and your body, <laughs> go for almond butter. Mm. And it's delicious. Very, very yummy. So highly recommend. But as always, we'll be back in your ears next week for another KickPod episode. And I will be back in your ears next Monday with a Kick Bump episode with the incredible Moana Hope. So look out for that. And it is actually going to be, Kick Bump is going to be on its own feed soon, separating Ooh, from own KickPod. feed. Sounds yeah. fancy. I'm leaving you. Yeah, you are. You're literally. <laughs> kick, anyway. bump, kick Bump is departing from the KickPod home into its own home. So just keep an eye out. Makes it better. Does it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So fly away. (laughs) Oh my God, you're like my mum. Fly away, Geek Pump. Fly away. And outside of the podcast, guys, you can find us on social media at Keep It Cleaner, at Laura.Hinshaw and at Steph Claire Smith. And you can find out more about the Kick app via our website, www.keepitcleaner.com or of course on the Apple or Google Play store. We have a 14-day free trial so if you've been thinking about trying kick now is the time yeah sounds like a good time sounds like a time to leave the episode too bye everyone bye. <laughs>